chapter 6, verses 9 through 13 is where we're at. And I'm going to read these verses, and then I'm going to pray and just ask God to just speak to us this morning. And that I pray that we would humble ourselves before the Lord and just, uh, just invite him in. Just, God, show me what you have for me. God, challenge me wherever I'm at. You know, happy Father's Day to you fathers, you know. And, um, man, this message for me as a dad and just this text, and really for any of us, but specifically for me as a dad, just just really challenged me because this morning we're going to talk about what it means to be a provider, what it means that God is a giver. And, and I pray this morning that, that for fathers, that we would lean into this a little bit this morning and, and we would allow God to challenge us. And then for even all of us as individuals today, you know, that, that you would allow God to show you who he is as the almighty giver that we worship and we praise today. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, I want to read these really quick for us to read these together. Verse 9, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you that you are the ultimate giver. God, I, I thank you that you saw fit to look into my broken life. God, looking into my sinfulness, God, and you saw fit to provide for me. God, and for every one of us here today, God, you offer this, this giving nature of yourself, what you give to us in your righteousness and your goodness and your blessings. Father God, I pray this morning that wherever we fail you, God, that we would lay ourselves down before you this morning and understand who you are and what you give to us. Father, we recognize this morning that we're broken sinners in need of a Savior. And God, we know that you are that Savior, that giver of life, of mercy and grace. Father God, let us see you as that this morning. God, we love you. Lord, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, again, church, happy Father's Day. And, you know, we've been going through this series, this summer series called When You Pray. And so the idea behind this is that we're leaning into the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6. Early on in Jesus' ministry, he would begin this sermon, which you've heard called maybe the Sermon on the Mount, where he would begin to expound on all these different things and just really help communicate what it looks like for the kingdom of God to be on earth and to function and to, and to navigate life uh, as people, as Christians, trying to navigate the different difficulties of our sin, navigate the difficulties of our oppression, and navigate the difficulties of our struggles, and all these things that go on in our lives as Christians, you know, he's trying to bring us down to really see what it means, and you know, we talked about in the very beginning, we talked about that prayer is so much more than just words, but that prayer is a posture, that prayer is a way that we think about God, that we approach God, and so that's what Jesus in Matthew 6 is trying to teach the people here, he's trying to teach them, this is how you think about God, and this is how you approach God, because week one, we started off talking about who God is, he is our Father in heaven, that he is not only the almighty creator of the universe, 
universe, but the, he is also a fatherly figure, uh, greater than any earthly father could ever be, leaning into our lives, leaning into our struggle, leaning into the spaces where we are at. And then last week, we talked about what it meant to be in that place where we are inviting God's kingdom into our life, inviting kingdom perspective, inviting kingdom influence, inviting your kingdom come, your will be done. God, you come in. God, you bring these things into my life, God, because I want what you do. I want your eyes. I want your actions. I want your words. And so this week, what we see is it kind of starts off in the air, and this week we finally start to get a little more to the ground where we are, where we talked about God, the Almighty Father, Creator in heaven, and then we come down and we start to invite his will, his work to be done. And then this week we begin to see at our basic form where God leans into our needs, our needs this morning. You know, and uh, the thing that we, we constantly kind of reiterate is the understanding that our view of God determines our worship of God. You know, what we know about God, what we see about God, what we believe about God will determine how we come to God in prayer, how we sing in this place, how we lead our families, how we lead the people around us in our, in our circles of influence. And, uh, and this morning we're going to specifically focus on Matthew 6, verse 11. That verse says, give us this day our daily bread our daily bread. And so what I want us to see this morning is that God is a giver. If I had to subtitle it, it would be the giver, that God is a giver. And so what do we mean when we talk about daily bread? You know, what is he talking about here? Well, we've heard before in John chapter 6 where Jesus calls himself the bread of life, you know, and that if you'll take from me that you'll never hunger, you'll never thirst. And so obviously what Jesus is speaking of in that moment is he's speaking of a very spiritual sense. And I know a lot of times, if we're honest with ourselves, when we're speaking of spiritual things of that nature, it feels very very distant from us, right? Like, I mean, I get it. Like, you know, if I, if I pour in, if I grab for Jesus, lean into Jesus, you know, fill myself up with Jesus, that I'll, I'll never want anything spiritually more. But the thing we have to understand about this particular text in Matthew chapter 6 is that it's, it's very likely, more than likely, because of the context of the rest of the passage and the rest of this uh, Sermon on the Mount, that Jesus is not speaking of spiritual things in this very moment, that he is literally speaking of physical provision, that Jesus is speaking about physical provision, and that is important for us, because what that helps us understand, where when we come to church, and when we sing, and when we pray, and we do ministry things, that I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, those things feel very distant. They feel bigger than us. They feel like, I mean, why would God be concerned about me? Why would God be worried about me or what I'm doing? Where where this text leans into our life to show us that God is concerned. Give us this day our daily bread that God cares about every aspect, every moment of our life, not just uh, spiritual, but physical also. That we serve a God that is concerned for us. That we serve a God that is leaning into our lives. And so what we can see is if we don't limit this text to a spiritual and try to kind of blow it up to this spiritual thing that, you know, yeah, give us, you know, we think of it a lot of times, like give us this day our daily bread, like give me Jesus, my daily Jesus. That's not necessarily where this text is going. It is literally calling out and bringing to attention a request for provision. A request for the day-to-day -day aspect of my life and what I need. And I love the way uh, that Martin Luther, uh, one of the fathers of, of, of the church, this is what Mar Martin Luther would say in, in kind of describing what he means by bread here. He says, everything necessary for the preservation of this life is bread, including food, 
healthy body, good weather, house, home, wife, children, good government, and peace. Bread is basically everything that we need to have uh, to per- persevere in life, everything we need to navigate life. He says these are the things that we ask for. This is what bread is. It's everything that affects us physically. This is the kind of God we serve that is interested in those things. He's leaning into those things, and not only that, but he's providing those things for us. He is not only creator. God not only created us, but God is also the sustainer of us physically. You know, way too often we look at God as this distant creature who who made us and then left us to go on our own. But God is not that. God is not only the maker of us, but he's the sustainer of us. He's the very power source at which we live and move. And we'll read this scripture later, but live, move, and have our being is in God himself. You know, and I love this verse in Isaiah 49, verse 15. It says, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I, God, will not forget you. God says that he is leaning into our physical provision. And, and, and hear me out, I'm not talking about prosperity, if you believe it and name it and claim it, God's going to give you everything you want. That is absolutely not what I'm talking about, and we'll get to that moving forward. But God is concerned about and cares about everyday things. God cares about the everyday things. God cares about your worry about providing for your family. God cares about your worry about the day-to-day health status of your family and, and you as an individual. God cares about your job. God cares about what you have and how you provide for the people around you. God cares about all of those things. And so not only does he care about everyday things, but also he's inviting us to pray a about those and pray for those things. Actively be seeking God in the midst of those things. And so there's two things this morning that I want us to see as God invites us, as Jesus invites us to pray in this way, give us this day our daily bread. What is Jesus calling us to do? I believe Jesus is calling us to do two things. And the first thing is that he is calling us that to admit that we lack. That God is calling us to admit that we lack. So we begin by praying to God in this way, by admitting that we are lacking something. Matthew 6, 11, he says, give us. You know, and I think this is one of the hardest things. Uh, more than likely, one of the reasons why we see more women in church than we see men, because men tend to be a little hard-headed. We don't like to admit that we need anything, right? We don't like to admit that we depend on anybody. We don't like to admit any weakness that we may have, because we're taught that to have any need, to lean on anyone, to have any, uh, to, to have any dependence on anyone is a sign of weakness. When in reality, when we think about it, we spend our entire lives dependent in some way, shape, or form, right? We're born dependent on our mothers and fathers to provide for us. We're, we, when we get to, to, you know, to old age and, and we're dependent on our families or some establishment to help take care of us or our doctors, these type of things, and all through our life, we're dependent on our jobs, we're dependent on security. We live our lives dependent, but a lot of times, especially in Christianity, when we think about the idea of God, a lot of people, especially people against the face, would say, well, God is just a crutch for you. You just depend on God as a crutch. Maybe I do. You know, maybe God is that thing that I rely on to keep me level-headed. Maybe God is that thing that I rely on to keep me from going psycho and flipping out because of anxiety or anger or whatever it might be. God is that thing that levels me out. God is that thing that gives me hope. God is that thing that drives me. Why is that such a bad thing? Because I think we have to be able to, as individuals, be able to say that we depend on God. Why is that wrong when every other aspect of life it's okay to be dependent? 
And he calls us, you know, because the reality is the thing we have done that I think we know this. We've talked about this a lot before, but but the inability to admit that we're dependent is a visualization or an expression of our pride. Matthew 23, 12, Jesus would say, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So if we elevate ourselves to this place where we believe I have no needs, I don't need God, I don't need anybody, I'll do my own thing, then we're just fooling ourselves and elevating ourselves to this point where we're God, where we think we have it all together, I can provide for myself, I can provide for my family, I don't need any God or any religion to tell me that I need any of it. You know, but the thing that I'm reminded about and the thing that I think about all the time is that whenever I come to the very end of myself, Right. When I come to the end of myself, when I come to the end of my abilities, when I come to the end of my talents, what then? What then? What do I find then? What do I find at that point? You know, and this is the space that I think that we find God, because how often throughout our week, how often throughout our lives, if we're honest with ourselves, do we find ourselves at the end of ourselves? We experience some situation and we think to ourselves, how can I get through this? How can I navigate this? How can I do this? How can I be successful in the midst of this? How can I be the parent that I'm, I know I should be? How can I be the husband that I know I should be? How can I be, the, the, for me, the nurse that I should be? You know, in your profession, in your situation, how can we do these things when we've come to the very end of ourselves, of our strength, of our ability, of our patience, of our endurance? How do we move beyond that? Church, that's through God's giving. That's through God's provision. That's through God's uh, strength in us. It's not in ourselves, you know, and, 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 and the thing that, that Jesus is calling us to is this posture of dependence, where if we lie to ourselves and we believe that all we have or will have comes solely from us, then we become self-dependent or self, we're trying to become self-existent. So we believe that God is self-existent, and so if we're trying to become self-existent, then we're basically trying to elevate ourselves to a God status. It's our pride kind of coming out before us because it's in Jesus in Acts 17 28 he says for in him we live and move and have our being we our very existence is in him there is nothing that we do separate from him and so that for us to navigate life whatever season of life we're in as young or as old as we are there's going to be a point where we come to the end of ourselves where we lose control we have no control I, I can't guess this i can't anticipate this that this is the point where i come to the end of myself and so what gets me beyond that we have to admit that we have a lack we have to admit that we have needs you know and and one of my favorite verses and a verse I have to come to constantly to remind myself of my dependence on God is Jeremiah 2.13. I've read this before several times, but I, I just I love this verse because I think it speaks so clearly to, to our nature of who we are and what we try to be within ourselves. Jeremiah 2.13, he says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out or made for themselves cisterns broken cisterns that hold no water. So these cisterns obviously are made to, to catch and to hold water. And so basically what Isaiah is saying, what God is saying there, is that my people have, have, have come to the point where they don't believe they need me anymore. And not only have they figured that they don't need me, but they've started to create their own systems of self-preservation and, self, uh, and self-provision that are broken. That even at times that they may have it filled up, there's a crack there. It's broken there. And so over time, they're going to come to the end of themselves. They're going to come to the end of their own ability. They're going to come to the end of their own creation because they're not depending on me anymore. 
this is where we begin to fall. This is where we begin to move ourselves away from God's help and God's provision is if we ever think, first off, that we don't need him, or second off, that we believe that I can do it within my own power, the things that I create and do will sustain me. He tells us here in Jeremiah, it's broken. It may, it may work. It may work for a short time, but there's cracks there. It's going to be dry. It's going to be empty at some point. I read this quote this week. I thought it was so great. He says, God will never cease to help us until we cease to need. God will never cease to help us until we cease to need because we stopped looking to him. Church, I pray we would not be those people. I pray we would be a people admitting our lack, admitting that we constantly need him because there's going to be points we come to the end of ourselves that our broken cisterns will run us dry and that we'll need his provision. And so the second thing this morning is that we would be acknowledging his provision. That not only we admit his la- that we admit our lack, but we would acknowledge his provision that we would acknowledge what he does for us. I'm not even talking about what he's going to do, but I'm talking about what he does for us. Because I love, in this verse, he says, give us this day our daily bread. And so he's speaking of right now. He's saying, don't get so focused of what's going to be. He says, recognize and see what he has given you right now. I think we get so ahead of ourselves, uh, wondering where we'll be, what we'll do, that we miss everything that's going on right here in front of us. We will get so focused on the future, we'll forget what he has given us. We'll get so worried about, you know, if we'll get, get to do this, or if I'll have this, or if, uh, if this will happen, that we'll miss every bit of provision that God has placed in our lives for right now. And that's what Jesus is doing when he's saying to pray this prayer. He says, give us this day. Give us this moment. Give us this day. And then he also, he's not, he's not necessarily looking towards the future, but he's acknowledging, give us this day our daily bread, acknowledging that there is a future aspect of God's giving, that God's giving will be daily, that God's provision will be tomorrow because God give me today, and I know that if you give me today, you will give me tomorrow. But we can't be confident in God's provision for tomorrow until we acknowledge his giving for today. To acknowledge that God is giving to you. And I believe it's things we take for granted all the time. Our health, we take for granted the stability that maybe we have. You know, if at no other, if there's no other thing that we can acknowledge is God's giving, the very fact that we woke up this morning and had breath in our lungs is a gift from God above. I mean, even, even moving from that, the Bible tells us that his mercies are new every day. That, that God is leaning into our moments and that he is giving to us. And then we have to start by recognizing him as a giver that has been giving us everything that we have. He gives us everything. Because the reality is when God speaks, bread comes. When God speaks, what we need comes. And that's the confidence that we rest in. That's the promises that we hold on to. That's the promises that we've sung about here this morning and God's faithfulness and his ability to give and the fact that he has always been there in the fire and that he will always be with me in the fire is a confidence that only I can find in God because people will let me down. People will disappoint me. People will leave me behind, but God never will. I may lose my job one day, but God will never stop providing for me. You know, we may lose people in our lives that, that brought stability and love and comfort to us because of these broken, frail bodies, but God will never leave us or forsake us. We may run out of strength in the midst of our difficulties and our struggles, but God not only has gone behind us, he stands with us and he goes before us to guarantee victory. This is the confidence that we rest in in a holy God. 
all I have comes from him and his giving. Because listen, when he speaks, that job opens up at the right time. When he speaks, strength and energy are given to do the task that God has called me to. When he speaks, provisions become available in times of need. God is giving, and he is providing the means or he is providing a way to the means. And so what we, what we can understand about that is that, that God isn't just pouring out on us and that we just sit and, sit and soak up. No, God, he may provide the means for us, but you know what? More than likely, what I've seen in my own life is that God is providing a way to those means. We just have to acknowledge it and step into it, that he calls us to step into those things. And this is where the providence of God and the diligence of man meet. This is where God's providence, what he has foresaw, what he has placed before us, and then our responsibility as people to step into those very things that God has placed before us, where those things meet. God provides through pathways. 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 through 12, it says, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. So he tells us, he tells us, man, God wants to provide. And and you know what? Sometimes he is going to provide the means. But more so, uh, more times than not, because we live in such an industrial world, God is going to provide the way to those means. And what our responsibility is, is to step into those things confidently. To step into those things, leaning on God's endurance to pull us through, leaning on God's endurance to carry us through. And, you know, and that's every situation. That's, you know, we're standing in the midst of struggles. We're standing in the midst of difficulties. We're standing in the midst of any kind of uncertainties. God is going to provide a way out of that thing by providing you a path to begin to walk. You know what? Things, even for my own life, in my own sin, in my own struggles, when I became a Christian, those things didn't go away magically. Those things didn't instantly disappear. Listen, my desire to sin did not disappear. And even today, my desire to sin has not disappeared. But my desire to sin for certain things has changed over the course of my life because God provided me pathways. God provided me roads to walk. And God, so God is providing a way to the means, even if he hasn't provided the very means that maybe I asked for. I asked, God, take this desire away from me. God, take this uh, attitude away from me. God, take this, uh, this, this sin away from me. And you know what? What he has done more times than not, he has opened pathways for me to begin to walk. God's provision is in pathways sometimes. And not only that, but maybe you find yourself in this point as we acknowledge God's provision, that we would also know that there is provision in the preparation and that waiting is always preparation. That as Christians, when we are waiting on something from God, it is because God is preparing us for something. There is provision and preparation. You know, when we find ourselves waiting, not collecting, that is, is, that, that is him protecting and providing in the midst of that. You know, C.S. Lewis said this. He said, I am sure that God keeps no man waiting unless he sees that it is good for him to wait. That that is the confidence that we rest in. If we're waiting on something, it's because God's wanting us to wait. He is providing for us in that. And I just kind of had this thought that if God sees fit to withhold, then it, f- it must fit for me. 
If God sees fit to withhold, it must fit for me. This must be what he wants me to do. He's withholding because he has something else for me. Or he's preparing me. He's growing me, building me in the midst of these moments. Acknowledging that God is providing. That the God who, uh, C.S. Lewis said this, the God who foresaw your tribulation has specially armed you to go through it. Not without pain, but without stain. That God saw every single thing that we would ever experience and that God has provided you a way through that very thing. That God does not test us, but God provides us a way. That God, that God does not tempt us. I'm sorry. God does not tempt us, but in the midst of those temptations, the Bible tells us he provides us the way. In the midst of those struggles, in the midst of those uh, difficult situations, it says that he provides us a way and he has specially armed each and every one of us to navigate that. Romans 5, 3 through 4 says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So in the struggle, in the waiting, in the suffering, God is providing something for us. In the difficult situations, in the things that we would have never guessed, maybe you think to yourself right now, there is a situation going on in my life where I'm at a point in my life I would have never thought I would ever be. I would have never thought I would find myself experiencing or navigating the very thing that I'm navigating today. The beautiful thing is that none of this has caught God off guard. And the fact that you're in the midst of that isn't that God has forgotten about you, but that God has seen fit to equip you in the midst of that very thing to grow from it, to navigate through it. Proverbs 30, verse 8. I love this prayer of Solomon. He said, remove far from me falsehood and lying. And this part right here just, just man, just really shakes me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. He tells me, look, I don't, I'm, don't give me any specific thing, God. Just give me what I need. Give me what I need to breathe. Give me what I need to navigate. And give me what I need, if nothing else, just what I need to be able to serve you. It's not even a prayer for riches. But I'm not also not praying to be poor. God, just give me what I need. And then understanding that in acknowledging his provision, God's provision is for a purpose that he says in, in verse 11, give us. That there is a communal aspect to God's giving. That God's giving isn't narrowed just to me. But God is giving to us communally. And that in God's giving to me, God has called me to be a giver also. To be giving to others. To be using what God has given me. If God has allowed me to navigate and equipped me to navigate a situation of struggle and, and, and difficulty, then God has given me that experience to lean into the life of someone else that maybe is in the midst of that thing or maybe has just come out of that thing or maybe needs some support in, in their issue. God has given us, whether it's experience, whether it's wisdom, maybe it's money, maybe it's time. God has given us to be givers. God has given to us so that we would be givers, that we would take his example of giving. We would take his example of being the great giver that he is and begin to give that. And maybe it's not even money or moments or wisdom. Maybe it's grace and mercy. Good Lord, could we be givers of grace and mercy the way that God is a giver of grace and mercy? That we would be giving what God has given to us. That we would understand that this is a us experience. Hebrews 13, 16, do not neglect to do good and, and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. 1 John 3, 17, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Church, God has given to us to be givers, 
to have our eyes open to the us in this prayer, understanding that God has given communally. God has given to us to be able to look into the lives of others around us. And like I said, I'm not even specifically speaking just about money to other people. I'm not saying just go around and start throwing dollar bills at people, but I'm saying take the blessings and the provision that God has given you, first acknowledging first that he's given you every bit of the life that you have. And that God has called us. He says, look, be content. In 2 Timothy, he says, be content with the food uh, that you have and the clothes on your back. You know, he's saying, not saying to be lazy, but understand that what you have is what God has given you. And if God sees fit for you to have more, he'll give you more. That God's provision is good and that he has given us provision to be providers for other people. And so why does this all matter as we wrap up this morning? When we understand our need... When we understand our need, it helps us It helps us prepare to receive. When we understand our own needs, it helps prepare us to receive what God is not only doing with us, but what he will continue to do for us. The right prayer, church, the right prayer freely brings its own needs to God daily. The right prayer brings our daily provisions, our forgiveness, and, and brings, as we move through this, not only forgiveness for ourselves, but forgiveness for others. And then not only that, but this prayer is leading us away from temptation, leading us away from sin. You know, and as we finish, I just want to acknowledge one more verse in Exodus. You know, Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16, the children of Israel have just come out of slavery. And as they come out of slavery, they're in this moment. Uh, as they're navigating the wilderness, it says the wilderness of sin in, in Exodus chapter 16. They're navigating the wilderness and they begin to lose sight of the provision that God has done for them. And what do they do in the midst of that? They begin to, uh, they begin to complain. And not only do they complain against God, but they begin to say to God, we would be better off back in slavery because you're not providing for us right now. God has done all this magnificent work in the children of Israel's lives. And in this moment, they have the audacity to complain about God's provision. We are not much different than this. And so what do they say? They say in verse 3, it says, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we, listen, sat by meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. God had provided so much for them. And what did they say? What did they miss? Not only... Are they referencing their moments of slavery? But they're also saying, hey, we sat. We sat near meat pots. We sat near meat pots and we ate bread to full. We, we, we ate bread to, the, to our fullness. But what does Moses do in this moment? What does God do? You know, God had every right to punish them. God had every right to, to you know, I, I led you out of slavery. I've led you away from the enemy. I've destroyed your enemy. I've, got, I've g- given you freedom. I'm leading you to the promised land. But what does God do? God refocuses their attention away from their slavery. That even in their sin, God refocuses their attention away from their slavery, and he tells them, He says that I will provide you a portion every day. He said, because the Lord has heard you. Listen, even in the midst of our sin, God provides for us. And what God is trying to do every day in this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, God is trying to focus our minds from the lesser things to the greater things. 
All he's trying to say is, hey, stop being dependent on lesser things. Stop trying to fill yourself with lesser things. You know, stop trying to, to, to find the easy way out. Stop letting uh, living for lesser. You know, I, I love that God would say to them, as they would say, you know, we used to sit by meat pots. We used to eat bread to our full. God said, look, I'll see your meat pots and your bread in slavery, and I'll raise you a heavenly meal in freedom. What does he do? He begins to provide for them. He provides more than they need. But all he requires of them is he says, go and gather. Go and gather it. He says, I'm going to provide for you, but it's not going to be sitting next to meat pots. It's going to be stepping out into, in, 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 into my faithfulness. It's going to be uh, taking what I've given you and walking in obedience. Church, if we want to really enjoy the blessing and the provision of God, we have to be stepping out in obedience. We have to be embracing, gathering what God has given us. God has given us so much in our life. God has provided us for so, with so much, and he's, he's, he's brought our attention to so much that he's doing. Would we stop spending our time gathering lesser things and begin gathering and understanding first by admitting our lack and then acknowledging his provision in our life? Isaiah 55, 2 says, Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. He says, Enjoy what I am giving you. But to enjoy it, you have to gather. Step out in obedience. See what God begins seeking what God has for you. And what we can know about God this morning, church, is that God provides based on his generosity and his fatherly nature. That in the midst of our life that we would be content, that we would not be complacent, but that we would be content with the place that God has brought us to, that where we are today. God cares for our bodies, not just our spirits. That there is no request too small for God and that we should not worry about our future, but acknowledge today. God, give me today. Be with me today. Direct me today. And that the most important thing that we would do is give thanks to him daily. Because God is a giver. God is a provider. That in the midst of our sin, God continues to give, to refocus our attention from lesser to greater things. All he does is call us to step out in obedience. And I hope that that would be our challenge this morning, church, that we would begin to step out in obedience to embrace and enjoy the goodness of God's provision in our day-to-day life. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, I thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you for the blessing of your son, Jesus. God, that you provided the greatest provision that spiritually we could ever need through the saving work of Jesus Christ. But God, I pray that even in that, that we would understand that you are a God who continues to provide for us, that you are a God who continues to give to us, to meet our physical needs, to meet our emotional needs, to meet our our, our weaknesses where they are, God, and provide us with strength, to provide us with endurance, provide us with the words, provide us with the food and the clothing that we need. God, we, we depend on you and know that anything we have in this very moment right now, anything good we have is from you, the, uh, the Father of lights, as James would call it. God, that you were the good giver. God, let us never forget that. God, that even in the midst of our suffering, even in the midst of our uh, insecurities, God, even in the midst of our uncertainties, that you are still providing, that you are still giving, that you are still building us up, that you are still using us, that you are still mindful of us, that you are still invested in us. God, and let us take that, let us take that and use that, and let us be givers of of your mercies. Let us be givers in our own lives, God, in whatever capacity that looks like. Father, I thank you for all you do. God, 
And I thank you for the confidence that we can rest in in you. Lord, we love you. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' holy name. Amen.